Hello, friends. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Kenton. This is Rewild University's Unleash Your Life podcast. that they can just run right out and go off and play and I know what a blessing wander around just to be able to go outside and get all that fresh air I thought you were going to say energy out <laughs> get that, well sometimes it is get that energy out isn't it oh my gosh yeah it's, it's really nice I think oh we live out here in the woods and what what a great environment for them yeah although I do have to say that it has been kind of a journey for us you know that's true. I remember the first time, actually it was one of our forest monks, remarked when we were pretty far back on a path. And, and I said, Mirabelle wanted to go home and I was teaching the students and I said, well, go ahead and go home. And he was pretty surprised that I let Mirabelle just head oh, off yeah. like that. But I, I worried. That. I did worry. Yeah. And well, I know some of the first times we've let them wander, we've actually snuck along behind. <laughs> when they were really little. Yeah. That was, and I planned this from the time we had little infants, that I was going to sneak like a ninja the first time that they wanted to go out to have some adventure on their own. There's been quite a few times I've pulled that ninja stunt just to make <laughs> sure they're okay. Make sure that you feel good. Right. You know what? I think that's it. You look at our land and here at Rewild U, the campus. And well, we've been visited by black bears. Yeah. And the students have had encounters with them. Yeah, There's that's true. wolves that have gone through the property and you can hear coyotes at night. Every night, basically. Yeah, that's true. A lot of things that are perceived dangers. And yet I remember one of our neighbors when we first moved up here and, and he said, it's really safe here, Kenton. It's just really safe. You could just feel free to let your kids go and wander. And that's true. I mean, even when the bears have charged our students, it's always a bluff charge. We know black bear behavior pretty well, being involved with nature as we are. And they're not the danger that people perceive them to be. No, I feel like the deer ticks are more of an actual threat. <laughs> yeah, that's I think we've sure. talked about this, real fears, real dangers <laughs> yeah. versus perceived. But as a parent, of course, there's tons of times where I have felt, oh, I don't know. And I think what's important as we go into this discussion about free-range kids and adults is that we realize that it's our fears and we can project those fears onto our kids. We can eventually give them our fears. They can begin to inherit them. And the, it's, it's to everyone's detriment because then we're suddenly disempowering our children. And they're going to become disempowered adults because you're not saying, look, we've worked through these skills. I know you have the skills. I know you've got this in you. And you should believe in yourself. Boy, but the fears are so strong. And go on to any news outlet, and you're gonna see all these, oh my gosh, abductions. And when a child is abducted, it's all over all the news channels. And it's a huge, huge thing. Well, and it should, should be, be so that people can help. Right. But it's like a shark attack. How often does a shark attack happen versus 
someone getting stung by a bee and going into anaphylactic shock, I mean, these a shark attack is going to be all over the news. We did talk about this, and the difference between the actual dangers that happen and the reporting about those dangers. And because of the way the media works these days, we get the impression that child abductions are happening a lot more. In fact, crime is happening a lot more than it ever has. Where if you look at the statistics... Oh yeah, you were doing some research on that. Yeah, it's actually quite the opposite. Yeah, I think you said technically, according to statistics, <laughs> that crime has been decreasing, actually. It has. But it's still challenging. I remember reading a while back a book called Protecting the Gift. I'm trying to think of the author's name. I should have looked it up, but that's a hard book to read, but it is about how to protect your children and what the real dangers are. The real dangers, according to his studies, and he has uh, he's got a lot of information in that book, is that people that are close to us are more of a danger than a stranger. Yeah. And that that is where a lot of things that we don't want to happen to our kids actually do happen with you know a family member, a friend, something like that, that we would least expect. So, I mean, that's a book perhaps to read, to be informed. I didn't like reading it, but I felt like I understand a little bit better. There has to be this balance. Because when we're talking about free range kids, the critique of it is that we're just going to throw our children into a whitewater river and say, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not about putting our children into situations that are dangerous or putting our children into situations that they can't handle. But it is, I think, about respecting their intelligence, respecting their resilience, respecting their ability to meet challenges and saying, can I back off enough to allow my children to have those experiences? Yeah, a little bit of the tough love of letting them fail a little, not in a dangerous way, but in a, oh, whoops, maybe I shouldn't have done this or that. That's the outcome. And of course, it's always a calculated risk. We're certainly not going to let them, as you say, go into whitewater rapids, but maybe we'll let them go to the mailbox and get the mail and come back. I mean, we have a really long driveway. So <laughs> yeah. there's, there's these different things. And I'm thinking of two things here. The first is I'm thinking that we can help our kids to cultivate the skills that they need. And if we think about that, if we come at it consciously, we're gonna feel a lot better. They're gonna realize, look, I am building these skills. And it makes me think, I don't know if it's still around, but there used to be a camp out on the West Coast. It was like the danger camp or oh, yeah, something like that, where that. kids got into building projects and they were learning how to use, you know, tool, power tools and this and that. And, and the people on the project were like, hey, we're not going to just give some kid a tool who doesn't know, but we're going to show them how. We're going to help them do this. You know, if it's a science project, whatever, we need to teach them life does have dangers, but look, here's how you recognize them. Here's how you move through. Here's how you can be safe. I just think that's a great idea. That is it. So for us, we're educating our children on survival skills and navigation in the woods. If someone li lives in the city, we'd want to be teaching children about traffic and about who is okay to talk to and who's not and how to navigate. <laughs> Navigation is always important. Navigate in that city environment. What to do if you get lost. Mm -hmm. Education, empowerment. Yeah, I love that. It also makes me think of the continuum concept that book. I think we covered that in one of our We did. It's like one of our top 5 books or something. One of the books on our shelves, the continuum con continuum concept. Ooh, try saying that five times fast. Anyway, 
some of the things that really stuck with me were these primitive cultures where kids were around dangerous tools or circumstances or they were handling a knife at a young age to help chop but it was part of their culture everybody knew that they had been observing i mean kids observe we all people you always hear kids know way more than you give them credit for (laughs) and so these cultures and they have almost zero accidents hardly any at all isn't that incredible and now science is backing this up there was a study by mika singh this is in the archives of pediatric and adolescent medicine and showing a very strong association between physical activity and better academic performance Mm. I remember reading a study long ago. I haven't been able to find it since then. They were looking at vision and why these kids who were playing soccer oh, yeah, the seemed soccer to experiment. have much yeah, better vision than the kids that weren't. And they thought, well, is it just physical exercise? They did repeated, yeah, yeah. repeated experiments and finally figured out. Well, right, because then they were saying, well, is it just the soccer? And I think there was something about they studied them in a stadium versus outside. And then they narrowed it down and found out, no, the kids who are playing outside, truly in nature with trees and clouds and other things, had the best results of all. Your eyes get to exercise from looking up close to that soccer ball out to infinity when your eyes look out to the sky. Instead of just stuck in a, a smaller range mm-hmm. of vision, as we often are inside, outside naturally brings out the best. In here, we're talking about our body, we're talking about academic performance, about vision. Other research is showing that play has a huge impact on positive brain development, on regulating our emotions, on problem solving. Mm. I just totally believe it. Absolutely. And I try to think about our childhood a little bit. We had a lot of, well, it's the whole Richard Louvre, Last Child in the Woods, the unstructured free time in nature, mm-hmm. where it might have just, I mean, I sometimes went bike riding totally by myself or looking for agates. I'd spend a whole afternoon walking around my neighborhood looking for pretty st- stones. Or there'd be a group of us and we'd all just go someplace and we'd play in the local culvert or what have you. And I mean, I'm sure that's still happening. I do see that. But I also worry a little bit that our culture is starting to structure us so much more. And then our culture has created cell phones and Facebook and social media things, games, video games. And that becomes more challenging for our kids to feel like, yeah, going outside is fun. So I feel like I've seen some decline of that since we were growing up. I feel the same way. And that unstructured time is some of the toughest because as adults, we have to step out. We really have to step out and just let kids do their own thing. Sometimes that means figuring their own way out of a challenge. Sometimes that means resolving conflicts between each other instead of us jumping in Mm. and solving it for them. But we can see if we allow them to do these things, they're developing life skills Mm -hmm. in a way that they don't get to in a highly structured play. Soccer is great, but there's all kinds of rules. Everything's regulated. A child is not going to get a chance to sit down with another child and say, I don't like the way you're 
treating me or I don't like the way this game is going. Yeah, let's change the rules and let's make it like this or that instead. And that brings out our creative mind, our innovative mind. Well, in mediation, because then you'll, in a group of kids, you'll often have one or two who will come and say, okay, you've got the peacemakers and you've got the ones that are the defenders. And like, nope, okay, everybody, this situation isn't safe. Here's what you all got to do. And it's amazing to watch how kids really can dig down deep and find their sense of who they are, which is, I mean, that's what we all need in our lives. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of, I was kind of being nostalgic there with our with our childhood, but I'm thinking of like, you know, the olden days when there wasn't television and kids were running all over the country. And what if you wanna do that and you are afraid I mean, there are fears to confront, but even deeper than that, one thing that's coming to my mind is just like, is child protection services people going to come get me because, oh, I found your child wandering alone. You're not being a good parent. There's lots of fears. And it's, I mean, when you have an innovator, I'm thinking there's a teacher, Miss Glowaski of Orchard School down in Indianapolis. She makes the news because she's allowing the kids out onto this 43-acre um, school campus and allowing them to have that unstructured wow. play. Now, a lot of parents might say, oh my gosh, we can't, we can't do that. There's going to be dangers out there. Are there going to be human predators? Are there going to be animal predators? And from that child protective services kind of viewpoint or mm-hmm. a liability sort of viewpoint, what if a child gets hurt? Mm-hmm. But thank goodness that she's out there yeah. being this innovator and saying, look, look what happens when the kids go out there. They get at least two hours per day Wow! outside in that unstructured playtime. And this is almost in any weather. That's um, yeah. excellent. It can be pretty darn cold and she's going to get them out there anyway. So they get this experience. They get to toughen up a little. They get to explore. When we look at our own children as parents, all of us, wow. The CPS, the Child Protective Services, that's a scary thing for a lot of people. And probably, I haven't looked at statistics, but I think there's probably a much higher chance that you're going to have issues with them than you're going to have issues with a perpetrator of some kind. Mm. Talking about knowing where your fears are. Wow. So are there, did you tell me there was some state that had kind of passed a law? Utah. Utah. First state here in the United States that has said, look, here is this law. Kids get to go out and play, and they do not have to be supervised. Hmm. And parents are not going to be, if your child is down at the local park by themselves, you are not going to be prosecuted or have Child Protective Services knocking at your door. And it's working out fine. Children are not disappearing or being murdered or taken away. (laughs) They're out there having fun. Yeah. And... That is more the reality of our world. And of course things happen. We know things happen, but... A lot of times things happen even when we try our best to prevent them. Or I think about some instance where some parent, and I understand where they're coming from, so I'm not, this is not a criticism, but they had had their child in like a bike helmet while they were swinging and the poor child got caught in the swing. And, you know, there was some injury from that. It's like, at what point is your protection actually not protection, but falls on the other side of being damaging. And that is super relevant because if we protect our children so much, they never learn Mm -hmm. how to protect themselves, how to get themselves out of scrapes. 
And that probably is the child that's going to be in more danger as a child and as an adult because they haven't learned those vital skills of self-sufficiency, of awareness, of intuition, of strength to say, hey, I'm in a tough situation here. I'm going to get myself out. Yeah, it comes down to believing in the competence of kids. I'm thinking of the Montessori philosophies of sort of child-led learning. And the children get to pick and choose what they want to learn. And they also don't just get answers spoon-fed to them. I have so much trouble with that. I try to keep myself <laughs> remembering that as a, as a parent myself because, oh, hey, mom, why does this do this? And then I wanted to be like, oh, because this, this, and this. As opposed to, again, back to that Montessori philosophy of, well, tell me what you think about that. What have you noticed? And you start to ask them the questions that help them to make the discoveries. And it's the same thing with being on their own. There's this self-reliance and self-resilience. And our, I feel like America is so bent on everybody must be independent and our children must sleep separately and they must be independent from the day they're born. And there's something to be said about independence, but I think more than independence is an awareness, a self-awareness and an awareness of their surroundings, knowing when it's okay to have fun and when, hey, gosh, the weather's changing. Maybe I ought to head home from the park. It sounds like a thunderstorm is coming. Mm -hmm. I think it was our friend Jen, because she works with Montessori. And she had that real handy rule. A child is, it starts from the time they're little. A child's trying to get up onto the bed and it's kind of too high for them. Mm -hmm. As parents, we want to rush over and just put them up yes, onto the bed. Yes, of course, naturally so. We're right. parents. <laughs> but the, the guideline was let them try it on their own. If they can't do it, then wait for them to ask for help. If they ask for help, instead of just grabbing and putting them up, say, hey, is there a way that we could navigate this differently? Maybe if you put your foot there. Mm. So giving those little helpers before you just solve the problem for them. Yes. And there's, a, there's a time and place for solving a problem for somebody. But usually, again, children are way more competent than we think. And if you feel that maybe you are a person who was never given an opportunity to see your own self-reliance, I can understand I have been an introverted person most of my life and very shy and also very hard on myself. It's that perfectionistic side coming out. I often told myself, you're not capable. You're not good enough. You don't know how to do this. So I told myself that often enough that I wasn't willing to take risks or chances. And that has been a challenge for me down these years of rebuilding my confidence in myself. So if you're a person that feels like maybe you are in that category, that's great because this isn't just about free-range kids. This is about free-range adults. Yeah. And you can give your child the gift of those feelings of courageousness, of checking things out in their environment, of learning, of exploring, and of being ingenuitous just by doing it yourself too. So if you are thinking, oh, I really want to do free-range kids with my kids, but gosh, I don't know. There's baby steps. We'll talk about them in the action points, but you can begin to give yourself and your child the gift of seeing that you can do it, that you do have the creative resources to do almost anything. So how do I become a free-range adult? Mm. Like you say, a lot of us have these built-in fears and apprehensions from, from the way we were brought up or just our experience growing up. How do we do this? Because okay. we forget how to play as adults. I one thing when I was thinking about this was that I realized that as adults, our modern culture, our first world culture tells us that 
We are not valuable unless we are productive. And I think that's, we've been fed a line. That's <laughs> not true. We're valuable really regardless. But I know for myself, if I don't look back at the day and say, oh, good, I got this done and that done and this done. And then I look ahead to the next day and say, oh, tomorrow I'm going to do this, this, and this. I feel as though somehow I haven't really been as valuable as I could be. And being a free-range adult, in my mind, says, go do something that isn't productive. Go do something that's just fun. That's tough to release. I mean, spend an hour or two hours and not have anything to say for it? Yeah, and that isn't to say you couldn't, it couldn't become art, you know? Go get a stick and carve it, and oh, maybe you've made something, but maybe not. Maybe you just carve a stick and you don't carve anything. You just whittle it away because it's fun and it feels good and you listen to the birds and you feel the wind. I feel that our culture needs to have some do-nothing time. And I really mean that. And I don't even mean, well, I'm going to schedule my do-nothing time because that's very important for me to do every day. <laughs> I mean, really, just do it. <laughs> Doesn't that sound crazy? It's, I, I see this with the forest monks. Because one of the things we try to get people to do, especially in the first two weeks, is to start to do some nothing. And that can be one of the most challenging things people to do we have had almost no people drop out of the program though this year has been a curse I think because of the weather (laughs) but there was one guy once that he dropped out because I was trying to tell him that is really important in that first two weeks for him to do nothing a fair amount of the time and he said well I didn't pay for this and come here to do nothing yes came here to do stuff so we don't realize that doing nothing is supremely valuable. If we have to look at it like this, then let our brain process it as doing nothing is doing something. Mm -hmm. It slows our mind down. It develops more awareness. It brings out sometimes the very best parts of ourselves. Well, and with that slowing down, we get to start noticing things around us. And I think another way to become a free-range adult is to go with the flow. Mm. So say you're going to go out on a bike ride and then all of a sudden you decide oh i've never seen that street before i'm gonna take it and you take that street and then look there's a little shop you never noticed i'm gonna go in that shop and you follow wherever you're called to you don't get out your itinerary for your do nothing bike ride you go with the flow you see where where life takes you this is the spirit of adventure And that spirit of adventure is what our great innovators have. It's what our great artists have. People often in our culture that are making strong impacts have that innovative, creative mindset. And we can think, well, I don't have that. But it's probably that I'm not nourishing that. And when we start to nourish that sense of adventure, to get out, to explore places that we haven't gone, and to play, Mm. wow. Often we feel kind of dumb too as adults. (laughs) We don't want to look stupid. Right. We're so immersed in that ego appearance that we don't want to look funny or stumble or whatever it's going to be that wouldn't look awesome in the eyes (laughs) of our. It's like we're always on Instagram or something like that. Oh my gosh, heaven forbid. (laughs) Oh. So can we release? I'm seeing this just takes a lot of release. Well, I'm glad that you brought up not wanting to look anything but perfect because I want to point out that the free-rangeness I like to think of it outdoors and I like to think of it as play 
but it could be a do-it-yourself project that you've always wanted to try. Uh, me, I'm not very construction-y, but say I wanted to try to build something. I could take the free range approach of, look, I might not know anything, but I don't necessarily have to go get a zillion diagrams. I start with something simple, so I'm not gonna set myself up for failure, but I realize it's okay to make mistakes because you mentioned innovators. Mm. And innovators make hundreds, thousands sometimes of mistakes before they stumble on something, and that is how great discoveries are made. We would not have chocolate chip cookies, I'm telling you, <laughs> without somebody not getting it right. And so whatever you do, if you can approach it with that playful idea of, okay, I might not know how to do this, but by golly, I'm going to learn how. And if it takes me a whole bunch of times, that's okay, because I'll learn on the way. And on the other end, I will come out more knowledgeable and I'll have had a lot of fun. Oh, release. It's the hardest thing to do. And to do it, we just got to practice, I think. I remember we were out with our kids in a little swamp recently, and the swamp became a Japanese garden. And they really wanted me to help <laughs> clean out the Japanese garden. And at first, I was resistant. I just, it didn't feel fun to me mm -hmm. because I wasn't releasing into it. And the art of releasing, oh, I mean, that's its own thing. We have to get all Zen about it. But just going into the experience a little bit, seeing if you can tap into that inner child. Well, and if you have trouble, get some kids because they will be more than delighted to show you how to have fun. And then just let them lead. Don't say, mm, well, this and that. Just be like, okay. Just tell me about how that works. I think that's an important thing when you're playing with kids. When you go into imagination land with them, let them lead the imaginary world instead of you trying to take control. A lot of things in imagination land might not look quite right to our adult brains. Or make sense at all. Yeah, but we can just let those things go. We don't have to correct and try to make them grow up. We're trying to learn from them. Yeah, we're doing the opposite of trying to grow up. <laughs> Speaking of learning from them, maybe we should grab the girls and just ask them a couple questions. Yeah, let's do it. All right, girls, come on up here. Thanks okay, for being here. on our podcast. You're welcome. Welcome. <laughs> I had some questions for you. Yes? We have our listeners out there. We've been talking about free-range kids, and we've been talking about free-range adults. And I just wanted to know, <laughs> would you tell me, Liliana, what is something that you love about being able to run around wild outside? Wow. <laughs> that can play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What about you, Mirabelle? There is so many things I enjoy. It's so hard to, well, choose for this first question. Question. Oh, as Liliana said, I really like playing with her. And I like how if we just go on a little walk in the woods, there's natural terrain that we can just, it's like a natural playground, basically. Nice. So I think that part's really cool. <laughs> Wonderful. Is there something you'd want to tell adults or grown-ups about being able to play outside? That it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> exactly what Liliana said, that, is, that it is very, very fun and... Yeah, like you can see things that are You're beautiful. right. There's different experiences than just playing inside, playing your video games or whatever. You get to see real life actual things happen. Like, oh, Lily, what kind of bird is that up there? Or <laughs> things like that. So, and you said you get to see things that are beautiful, huh? Yeah. 
Now, I know you girls play in your imagination a lot. Yeah. If somebody was feeling as though they didn't quite know how to get into their imagination, what would you do to help them out? Well, I think I would some suggest some things we play. Well, so we pick characters from books and, mov- and movies. And basically, what we like doing, or at least what I like doing, is... Pretending, let's say, I've read the series of books called The Magical Chest. I just made up the books. Pretend. <laughs> and I like, oh, I really like these, but I don't really want to play the exact the exact same story over and over or all of those books. So I pretend that I'm in a new book and we play that out or a new movie or whatever, a new episode if you're... So kind of like choosing a character like, and then playing with yeah, it? Yeah, like, yeah, basically... <laughs> There's movies of Moana that we play sometimes, but now, not really. But we could suggest that. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. Could you tell me, what is one thing that you have learned from being able to just go outside and play on your own? To have fun. I think. To have fun. (laughs) (laughs) And that nature brings surprises. And do you feel like you can make it through surprises? For example, the other day, and this will probably be our last question before we move on, but the other day, we all went for a walk. And then, we didn't realize Daddy and I were going one way, and you girls were going another. And so then you girls found your way back to us with no problem. What did you guys learn from that experience? The problem was that I just thought that we were going that way. I had totally forgotten we were going the other way. And so that all happened, but you made it back totally fine because fine. you are comfortable with the land. I mean, how did you find your way back? Yeah, what'd you do? Um, we knew well, the land, so we you know easy. the wet land. <laughs> it's like if you had a favorite restaurant and there is the um, ice cream cone place and the cupcake place in it. The ice cream place is on the right side and on the left the cupcake place. And it's all crowded and stuff, but and there's places in between, but you know this restaurant so well, and you love it, that, and you've been there so many times, that you're just like, oh yeah, I turn to the right, and I go to the cupcake place. <laughs> Wonderful. So you guys feel familiar with where you are. Yes, sure. You feel confident, and you supported each other, and you got yourselves back, no problem. Yep, use a pie. <laughs> well, easier than pie, actually. Hey, I wanted to take a moment and thank our patrons that support us on PayPal and Patreon. Thank you guys so much for making this life possible for yeah, us. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> we have a lot of gratitude in our family for all of you. If you feel like the time is right for you to come and support our work, you can do so at our website, rewildu.com, R-E-W-I-L-D-U.com. And right there on that front page, you can learn more how to do that. You're going to see all kinds of other stuff on there from our Forest Monk program to our 100% project to online courses, lots of material. (laughs) Well, it's time for you to to unleash your life. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what's our first action point? Because it's really tough for some parents, I mean, for, I think, for a lot of parents, what was for maybe us? even most parents these days, to grasp or take on this idea of free-range kids, it's 
really nice to be able to ease into it. And we did that with the ninja sneaking after, right? Mm -hmm. But there's lots of ways to think of this. How can I ease into allowing my kids to play outside? Maybe I'm not going to actually go out and sit outside in the yard with them, but I'm going to watch from a window to just be able to be a little bit more relaxed. And then we can ease up to the point or ease into the point where eventually we can actually let them go out and play in the yard alone. Yeah, you have to assess where you are and be okay with the fact that you aren't where you want to be yet. I mean, maybe you have a local park and you say, okay, I'm going to send my child or children to meet their friends at the park and I'm going to come in 10 minutes, but I'm going to give them 10 minutes to be there and I'm going to make my way there and then I'm going to be there and maybe I'm going to extend that next time it's half an hour, that sort of thing. The other thing is to sit down with your kids make sure they understand that you're there for them and that they are able to do some of these things it's good for them to know the basics like their phone number and their address <laughs> but other than that using other things to help build those confidence skills is great i'm thinking of cooking which isn't going outside and playing oh, but yeah okay i need to step in here and say that i love when mama and daddy say hey you want to come help us cook i am so delighted i love cooking i just love it and sometimes and you do all the cooking yourself. You well, cut up the plantains, yeah. you turn on the oven. There's this thing called plantains, and I know how to cook it all, my, all my, <laughs> by my own. And I also know how to cook scrambled eggs. Lily, what do you make? And I make very good salads. You do? Oh, cool. and Chopping she's not, up the vegetables. And, and she's not bragging. She is so, so, so good at um, eat, uh, making the salads. Another uh, tip that she does is... She puts olives in her salad. It's like this Ooh, magic black little olive. 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 <laughs> tip trick thing. It's really cool. So you can see here, the girls love to be included in this, and it's a great way to build everybody's confidence. Our belief in our girls, them getting new skills, I mean, showing them how to use a knife, helping them figure out the heat when ingredients go in. So that's just one way where you can pick something that you're doing if you have a project and you're building something yes it may take a little longer but showing your child how to do it and letting them help you it gives them such a sense of feeling like they really belong to a tribe that's the power of easing in we're not riddled with guilt and oh i should be letting my children go out and be free but i'm just too scared it allows over time intelligently in smart smart ways for us as adults to get used to and get conditioned to the, the fears and the insecurities that we have, starting to release those as we allow the children to be out and allows them to start building skills so that we start to see, wow, they really yeah, are competent. My kids do know what they're doing and yeah. actually I have complete faith in them. Go for a walk, have a good time, tell me what you see when you get back. Action point number two. Let kids lead. So, <laughs> When you're going out, decide, hey, it's free range time for the kids and I want to be a free range adult and give your kids sort of the power, I want to say. They're so used to adults always making the rules, always telling them what's right, what's okay, what's not. Go along with them and say, look, I want to come out and play with you and will you let me be a part of this? And then as we were saying earlier, let them say 
where to go, what's okay, even if it doesn't always make sense. Obviously, you're not going to allow them to go into a dangerous situation. We're not going to running down the middle of the street. However, it's going to give them a sense of empowerment, and you're going to find a lot of fun if you let go of what you think things should look like, and you go exploring with them. Go look at rocks and imagine that you're only one inch tall, and that that's suddenly a huge, gigantic cliff deep moss in it and you're going to crawl through it let them take you on an adventure yeah this one's all about becoming a free-range adult it's beautiful because in the same way like the first one it allows you to ease in to becoming a free-range adult but it, it sneakily allows you to be along if you're just too fearful to let your kids go out and play then you can go along but you have to become another kid Mm-hmm. You're not there to tell them, no, don't do this, right. don't do that. Hey, you, you That's shouldn't too be saying unsafe. this, and you shouldn't say that, and you each need to do this. And When they get up on that log and start to bounce across it, well, you're either going to get up on that log, or you're going to say, hey, that's too scary for me, and I'm not going to do that, because sometimes as adults, we're not quite as daring as our kids. In either case, either we're getting up and we're playing with them, or they get a chance to see what it's like to interact with another human being who wants to do something, but is just too scared. Yeah, there have been quite a number of times where one or the other or both of the girls have said, Mom, you can do this. You can do it too. I just did it. I know you can do it because I'm a little afraid of heights or this and that. And they'll encourage me right along. And it really does make them shine to feel as though they have something to offer. And all of you, remember to stay on your rewilding journey. There's so much power in this path of tapping into our inner wisdom, releasing so many of the cultural fears that we have in allowing life to be. Thank you so much for joining us. Feel free to leave some comments for us on the podcast page here or to send us an email and tell us what some of your favorite memories are from being a free range kid yourself or what you love to let your kids go off and do stomp in mud puddles, capture frogs, do science experiments just share with us and then go do some of that yourself (laughs) speaking of i think i hear the kids on the trampoline this whole time they've been out there basically should we go play (laughs) yes (laughs) back flip city